Hi everyone, my name is Megan and welcome back to the What's Your Why podcast. This week's episode is a really special one. It's one I recorded with Katie, who is one of the first people who reached out to me, offering to share the journey that she's been on in life. During this episode, Katie gives us an insight into what her experience has been since being diagnosed with MRKH at the age of 16 and the grief that's come with realising she wouldn't have the opportunity to carry children. Katie talks about how she's realised how strong she's been along the way and the hard work that she's put into loving herself and finding the spark of joy in her life again and how she wants to share her story to hopefully spark a sense of hope in others too. If you're impacted by anything we talk about in this week's episode please do reach out to our Instagram page but for now thank you so much for listening to this week's episode it means a lot. I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to pass over to Katie who's going to introduce herself. Hi my name is Katie Morris I am 31. I am a business development manager for an IT company. I'm also a Reiki healer and Recently, I qualified as a life coach, but I suppose most, not importantly, but I suppose the one major thing about me is I have a condition called MRKH, which stands for Mayer-Rokitansky-Custer-Hauser syndrome. It affects one in 5,000 women. Essentially, I was born without a womb. Um, And I suppose this has kind of made me who I am today i was diagnosed when i was 16 and because i never had a period you know went into the doctor i suppose through a a number of surgeries and tests and we found out that i i didn't have a womb so um you can imagine when you're 16 and you're still learning about your body and i suppose i'm 31 now and i'm still learning about my body my whole looking back now my whole world was kind of turned upside down and inside out And it's only now that I've, well, in the past number of years that I've realised how much of an effect it was having on me in a negative way. And I suppose what I've done recently is, you know, publicly came out and told my story to show that it doesn't have to be a negative way. You've gotten to a place where, you know, you're making space for it to not be all about the negative. But like, what was your reality like when you did get the diagnosis? I kind of always had a feeling that, there was something not right. And so my mom told me, it wasn't the doctor, it was my mom. And because I had said the night before, mom, like, what if I can't have kids? And now where that came from, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I suppose, whatever, intuition, what, I, I don't know. Um, and mom said to me, I can't really remember her exact words, but it was like, remember you said last night, you know, what if, you know, you can't have kids? Then it's a blur. Then I, I suppose the the shock my initial reaction was oh so well, at least I know now mm. I know now and you know when I decide when I want to have kids sure like at least I know that you know at least if I get to say whatever age I decide I want to have a child wherever you're trying and trying and trying and then you find out it's kind of more okay well, at least I know now that I can prepare as much as I can and then then the grief just set in um was anger, sadness, tears, just wouldn't come out of my room. I'm the eldest of four, so I have three younger brothers. And I suppose looking back now, it was probably very hard for my mom and dad trying to, um, I suppose, discuss it with the boys because they were that bit younger. The youngest would have been nine at the time. So like he, he wouldn't have had a clue, you know, and like, why is Katie crying in her room the whole time? I felt like an alien and I felt abnormal. I felt no one 
could understand what I was what I was going through as much as they tried to. And I've had so much amazing support through family, friends, um, you know, throughout the years. But I, I suppose I excluded myself. I stopped playing football and comedy because I was like, I'm not like them girls. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not like them. I'm different. So why? I don't fit in here. So I stopped. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of went in on myself for, for a couple of years. And I always searched for, like in the back of my head, I always knew there's a reason. There's a reason this has happened. There's a reason this has happened. Mm-hmm. And I kind of always searched, you know, through meditation and Reiki and different therapies, um, you know, counseling. Like I, I kind of was open. I am still open to anything, anything that would kind of, you know, try and bring a little bit of joy or happiness back into my life. That, you know, it was like there was a candle inside me that it was gone, and I needed to find that. I wanted to find that spark again, or I wanted to light that up again, and. It changed for me when I think it was a meditation group. The lady said, who is the most important person in your life? And people were saying, um, you know, oh, my partner, my mom, my dad, my friend, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, what about you? So what about you? She said, there's no one else here that's you. And, you know, you you live in your your world externally you can change your hair you can change your clothes you can you know portray as who you like but deep but deep deep down in that little fire in your soul you're you and do you make time for you do you love you how do you talk to you and it was like an eye opener and I was like I hate myself I hate myself because I have MRKH I have developed this self-talk that I'm not good enough I'm not beautiful I don't fit in that's when I learned about I suppose, affirmations and self-talk like silly things that she really helps me she, you know she said when you look in the mirror what do you what do you see you know she say oh god I don't like that dress or oh I need to lose weight or god my skin is terrible what about you know just turning that narrative around and then don't get me wrong it's <laughs> It's not as easy as that, but it's more trying to change that, the self-talk to I'm not good enough, um, to I am good enough. Like, why am I telling myself I'm not good enough? So when I was 16 and when I was told, it was like, you can't have kids, that's it. And in my head, that was my narrative and end of discussion. Whereas now it's like, no, I can't carry a child, which is so powerful it's so powerful to me it was like a realization like no like I'm actually I'm, I'm good I know you said you struggled with the idea of nobody really understanding exactly what it's like to go through what you're going through have you found anybody that's on a similar journey to you there's global support groups um all around the world which are amazing because I suppose I've made so much, I've so many bonds with so many women. They could be in South Africa, they could be in the UK, in America, Canada, everywhere. But you have this, I I got I get you. I understand. Okay, everyone's journey isn't the same. Everyone's diagnosis may not be the same. It's the it's the knowing that you're not alone. Yeah. It's the knowing that um there's always someone out there to talk to. 
always. And I suppose that's that that was so comforting to me um, that someone just got it, that just understood, just completely understood. It just clicks. You talk to them about this traumatic experience that has happened to both of you. You don't really talk about, so what do you do or what's your job? You know, it, but it's, it was amazing. And even now, like there is people, there's women that I spoke to all all over the world that I haven't I haven't physically met. It's like a sister you never had, or like just someone that you know. It's just that support group underneath you that you always know. There's always someone at the end of the phone or the other side of the keyboard or you know the other side of the screen, whatever it is that if you if you do want to talk that you can talk, but that they they understand, they get it. It's not just you know, trying to talk to someone and they say, oh, but it's okay, you know, you can adopt and you can have surrogacy. And that, and, and, that, and that's amazing because that's true. But if you're in that space where you're having a really bad day and you're really low, sometimes that's not what you want to hear. It'll be a mother someday, how it happens, I don't know. Uh, at this point, I don't really care. I just know I, I will be a mom. And I suppose when you're told something, no, that's that's not going to happen or you can't do that you can't have this you know yourself you want it more like oh 100 percent. and before i ask about that tell us about the grief process that you went through when you were told that you couldn't carry a child it's tough it is not easy it's not easy at all um going back to say when i went to it was in college obviously it's not something that's a day-to-day conversation um with people that are around you so i only kind of shared it with close friends um and some family um but you know I suppose it's like anything when you're grieving anything if you're grieving a you know a loss of a pet a parent a sibling whatever it is whenever you see it sometimes it triggers so you know oh do you have a a, you know a sanitary pad do you have a pad you know when I was living in college Mm -hmm. uh no how do I explain that one? Oh no, just ran out. No <laughs> um, left. Um, or uh, like I've never like I don't I couldn't tell you what it looks like because I've never used one. So yeah, um, and you know oh, oh god, you know I need to go and get the more natural pill or will you come with me or oh I need to, will you come with me? I need to get a pregnancy test. And like you're dying inside, like um, and then I suppose as you get older through that journey, friends family, neighbours, they all start to get pregnant. And I suppose it's, it's an ongoing grieving process. Um, but for me, it's about having the support. So knowing knowing who your circle is, surround yourself. And that's another thing that you learn when you go through something, you learn the people who are there for you and you learn of the people who aren't there for you. Yeah. Um, but it's about if you're having a really hard day just take it whatever you need to do to get through the next hour even half hour 10 minutes whatever it is and just no like whatever it is whatever ticks that box for you whether it's to get out for a walk whether it's painting your nails whether it's to go for a shower whatever whether it's to ring someone and just vent down the phone just the little things that you can do to just I suppose get through that hour, get through that day, and it, it's it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, and 
Yeah, it's it's not easy, but just I suppose having that support, I think, is key and not having just one person having at least, you know, three or four that you're not constantly going to the same person, because I suppose it's not fair on them either that, you know, you have whoever it is, friends, partner, you know, brothers, sisters, whatever, whoever it is. I get you. And like when you're saying that, like it's kind of the, the grieving process, like it changes as you grow, but it's always something that's there. Like, where are you at with it right now? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, I've come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> a long, long way. I was always there. Oh, poor me. Why is this happening to me? And sorry, I don't mean to sound like, oh, poor me. But why is this happening? I don't understand. But it's trying to just trust that, okay, this has happened for a reason. This has made me who I am today. I wouldn't be strong as I am. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if, if, and I've learned so much about myself and still learning, but I'm in a good place. And um, if you ask me tomorrow, I might be different. It, it, it just changes on, you know, each day. Um, but I suppose I'm, you know, I'm 31 now. So as I said, going through, you know, the different age brackets, um, it's it's about you know going through the college years and going through all that and then you get to a point where friends are um becoming pregnant and whatever but yeah I'm I'm in a good space right now it's so nice hearing you talking and I'm learning more and more as this conversation goes on but what are some of the things that you've learned along the way I've learned how strong I am I've learned um I've learned that your inner talk and your whatever is going on subconscious in your head or whatever, it has such an effect on you. Such an effect. Um, like it's it's powerful when you just try and switch that narrative. Even as I said, I can't have a child to I can't carry a child. When you said that earlier on in the conversation, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. What kind of mom do you want to be when the time comes? just the best version of me I've struggled for for years thinking it's something that I'm not allowed to have in my own head no one else has told me this yeah. but in my own head, it was like no you're not allowed that that's not happening for you mm. um, it's just the best the best mother that I can be yeah and I'm literally like imagining you back when you were 16 in your room all of the confusion that comes with being a teenager never mind having this put on top of that what would you say to your younger self if you were looking to have a conversation with me, I probably wouldn't have spoken to you. <laughs> um, but now, and I suppose it's something that I continue to say to myself, but now it's just, it's going to be okay. Everything is okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. What are you proudest of yourself for, Katie? I'm just, I'm just so proud of myself. I'm so proud that I found my voice. I got the opportunity to, to speak at a global virtual event. It was, it was global and it was, it was amazing. And it was so informative and it was just a community coming together to share their own experiences. But also it was informative about, um, about different things. Like there's been successful womb transplants that have happened you know around the world which is which is amazing but I'm so proud that I that I found my voice and that I've found that spark and I've lit that fire and it, 
what does that feel like because I loved when you when you described it as like the candle in you like it felt like it was gone out for a while like what's it like having that back oh it's empowering it's empowering I always knew and I always said I want to help people I want to help people you know done a lot of Reiki courses and I've recently qualified as a life coach um and whether it's even talking to another little girl who's just been diagnosed with MRKH here in Ireland, you know, if I have one person, that's my that's my tick box done. Um, so yeah. Why is it important to you to help people? Do you think? Because I felt so alone. I can't take the, the, away the fact that I have such a supportive and amazing family, and I was never physically alone. But in my head, I felt alone. I felt no one really fully got me or really as much as they tried to. And it was amazing, you know, that they, you know, that they that they did. I suppose it's only looking back now, you know, like there's been different things that mom and dad and even the boys have done to try and protect me. You know, like not having um, certain family members over for Christmas because one of them was pregnant and I didn't know they were pregnant. And um, I suppose now it's being aware of the, not triggers, but the feelings that if I do feel something, you know, if I do feel a little bit of emotional or anger or whatever, you know, how I'm feeling that I acknowledge it. And if I feel I need to share it with someone, I do. Um, you know, I said, I'm really emotional today or, um, you know, I think I'm going to find this really hard. Like, will you will you be there for me today or, you know, whatever it is. Or, I'm going to need you today. I'm going to need a little bit more support today. I suppose it's just asking for what I need. And it's just going back to, you know, getting through that hour, getting through that day, whatever it is. But just being aware of what's going on inside me and then asking if I do need help asking for it or it's a you know pick up the phone to one of the other girls that I know who have MRKH and say you know listen I want to talk to you about this. If you had the whole world's attention what would you want them to know about MRKH? Um, that's a really good question. Everyone has something whatever that something is maybe it's just bit of anxiety or you know it may not be an actual you know say illness or disease or syndrome or, or whatever um, or maybe it just, it just might be grief or you know but I, it's more just to be kind and also that you're not alone you're not alone at all um, and you're not an alien and you're not abnormal and you're you're perfectly imperfect the way you are um, because no one is you and uh, that's your superpower there's no one else like you in the world what do you think your why in life is my why is to hopefully help someone else whether they have MRKH or not or whether they just need to listen to what I have gone through and hopefully 
just help someone by sharing my story. Thank you so much for everything you've shared during this week's episode, Katie. And thank you so much for reaching out to be a part of the series. I've learned so much from you and the life that you've lived and hopefully others have too. And if you're listening to this week's episode, thank you so much for listening. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week for some more What's Your Why conversations.